Uh, this guy is called the Standing Streamer. with regret you're watching putting you over how's it going everybody what's going on welcome to putting you over i in the standing streamer happy saturday everybody amazing fathers and i'm gonna have tyson dukes on tonight uh historic very uh what's the word they always use very uh his, I want to say historical, very long career, 20-plus years. He's been in WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, all over the place. Uh, and we'll talk about him. What's up, Blowout Man? Welcome. Uh, we'll talk to him about some of the stuff he's up to, some of the stuff he's doing. I, I think there's some interesting points in there, so I'll have a lot of fun with that. Would you like to plug? Oh, here he comes. Excellent. I see him right there. Can you hear me, Mr. Dukes? He's loading in his audio. I always forget about Zoom that you got to load in that audio first. Can you hear me, Mr. Dukes? This, yeah, the audio thing is the worst. Is it not the worst? Awesome, uh, awesome. You're you're right. Yeah, I mean you're right on time. I'll try not to talk loud, especially if you have the volume up on your end. Sometimes I'm very boisterous. I'm a father of three daughters, so I have to be loud to have my my voice heard in this house. So, um, how are you doing today? Good, man. Doing very, very well. Awesome. Uh, first thing, I want to say a couple things first. Right off the bat, thank you for taking your time and coming on the show. Uh, you don't know me from a hole in the ground, and you're willing to do it, so I greatly appreciate that. That's one. Two, happy belated birthday. Uh, I know it was June 19th, so so awesome job out of you. Juneteenth. Sorry, Juneteenth. It was yesterday, right? Juneteenth. Yeah. yeah. Juneteenth, brother. That's right. So happy birthday to that. And happy early Father's Day. So Hey, yeah, because you're right. I just, every one of them out of the way, yeah. Get them all out of the yeah. way. Uh, I Actually, my anniversary is tomorrow, too, so I'm killing two birds with one stone. So, Oh, uh, you're a smart, man. Look yeah, at you. Smart. Yeah, it's very, very smart. Um, And I was, I was uh, doing some research on you and trying to arrange my flow which I pretend to be professional and whatnot. And I'm like, man, he has such a long career. Like, I don't want to go boom, boom, boom. Like, he did this, this, and this. Because uh, that would just be boring for him and, and boring for me. So I'm going to do my best to to make it flow, make it a conversation, and uh, have sure. some fun. But there are a few things I like to ask because I, I just like the responses. And one of those questions is your first wrestling memory like growing up as a kid, was it big in your household? What was that first wrestling memory? Uh, see, uh, not in my house is, uh, I didn't have a TV until I was 12. I come from a farm setting, right? Mm-hmm. And I was born in 78. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a while back. So where we came from, we didn't have cable. We had a TV that had two stations and one of them was fuzzy. <laughs> right. So wrestling, uh, wrestling wasn't prominent back then. Um, well, it was. It was uh, the year. It was in the '80s when yeah. I was a kid. 
but I didn't know about it until uh, my mom brought home a coloring book. And that's the first time I ever really got a real good grasp of what professional wrestling was, was the rock and wrestling coloring book with Hulk Hogan and Hillbilly Jim wow. and Iron Sheik yeah. and Roddy Piper, man. And then after that, I've been, I've been hooked ever since that little coloring book. A little Saturday morning cartoon coloring book, huh? I'm telling you, that's all it was. Mom went for groceries, came <laughs> home with this, like, I, I keep saying it was like 40, 50 cents, something yeah. stupid, right? It was something probably cheap. like right by the register, you know, hook them on the yeah. way out as yeah. they're paying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, man, I just, yeah, that's how I grew up. I didn't have very much. Um, and so when mom would bring me home something like that, it's, uh, that's the one thing that resonated with me. So I was in like, I'm a kid, like I said, of the eighties, yeah. so He-Man and yeah. Transformers, GI Joe, but there was nothing like Hulk Hogan and that band of misfits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was the best. And it was big. Like we're like, you're 78. You said it. I'm 79. So we're, we're yeah. right in that same genre, that rock and roll, that Saturday morning cartoon, Hulk Hogan, bigger than life. Going up yep. against people like uh, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, Piper, yep. big on MTV. Yep. All it's blowing up then. Like that's right, but right WrestleMania one time. I mean, that's that's oh, yeah, the yeah, golden era, you know. Was. Um, yeah, it is. And man, I can remember those those times like like they were yesterday. To tell you the truth, and uh, they're the best. They're yeah, the best times ever. They, the best time to be a kid. <laughs> they sure are. Some of the best, uh, it, it's, it's really fun to go back sometimes and watch some of those on the network. Uh, just like, cause it, you, you reminisce and you, you have the real good guys against the it's good versus evil. And that's what made it yep. good. Just keep it simple, stupid, yes. you know, boom. Um, but as, but as far as, uh, you growing up, getting into wrestling, got that coloring book, loving it. What's the aha moment, the ooh, ding, on your head when you think to yourself, this might be something I would like to do? What? Yeah, you know what? It, it was always with me. I always was a kid that would uh, wrestle in the, uh, the, the entrance part of the yeah. church because we're religious growing yeah. up, right? So uh, I, like, we would always wrestle as kids. And then uh, – it was funny because we were just play wrestling and then it just kind of, it's not like we didn't take it as seriously as backyard wrestling. Yeah. We just, we were just kids like messing around the front lawn of a church. And then we started to grow a little bit of a, a little bit of an audience with it. Just everybody just laughing, thinking it was funny. And that just, it just seemed to uh, culminate with things of like Benoit was always my guy, Chris yeah. Benoit growing up. And then he wasn't that tall. We had Grand Prix wrestling out on the East Coast, and it was, it was the best stuff ever, ever because like it was real bad guys, real good guys, just big nasty guys. But they had a bunch of guys that weren't so big. Yeah, I remember uh, th- like some of those fellows weren't weren't bigger than my dad, and I always thought the guy, these guys were huge. And then my old man was only about five seven. I'm like, oh, that's like you know, I'm a little kid, but I'm like, you know what, my dad could probably beat that guy up. Yeah. So it just it just started to uh, resonate with me all the time. And I never really lost the idea of becoming a pro wrestler. And then just when I turned 18, I just decided, Hey, let's, let's just, let's go do it. Why, why not? Life's too short. And I don't want to be what everybody wants me to be. And I just went and did it. So you're 18. What's your first step? I mean, you're up in Canada. So I would, I would assume you're up in Canada at 18 at the time, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So to me, Canadian wrestling, it almost goes hand in hand. So you're 18. Are there a ton of places like wrestling schools or places to go at that time? Uh, no, there's not. Uh, my dad, uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, took me to, um, as a surprise, he took me to two events. My dad and my dad hated professional wrestling. <laughs> what a good he did guy. did not man. like pro wrestling. Yeah, he hated bro. He was the greatest. He was the greatest dude ever. Yeah. He was the best human being, but he hated pro wrestling. He just didn't understand it. <laughs> but uh, when I turned seventeen, when I graduated from high school, he first took me to Grand Prix Wrestling. Yeah. So I got to go to uh, Grand Prix Wrestling, which is an East Coast small promotion, and it had uh, Scott Demore was on there as an assassin, yeah. and so was 
Christian Cage and Sexton Hardcastle, who is Edge. Yeah. And they were on these Grand Prix shows. And so he took me to that. I had the best time. Just this old school feel at my like local arena. And then he also had plans. So that was the first. And the second thing he took me to, we went to um, Pennsylvania. My dad drove transport trucks. So he, he just said, hey, let's go for a drive. And we went to Pennsylvania and caught a WCW show because he knew that I, I liked Benoit. Yeah. And so he found this. I don't know how the old man found it, but I went and watched uh, Benoit versus Regal live at a house oh, show. Oh, my goodness for, uh, gracious. WCW. Dude, like, if you weren't, if, if you, I watched it on TV, yeah. so I, I know I've seen Benoit Regal before, but there was nothing, nothing on earth than seeing it live and seeing them just having the time to work a house show. Uh, it was, yeah, I was like I was set in stone right then. And then my dad took me to Killer Kowalski's place as well on the way home. Wow. So we came up through uh, Massachusetts and he took me over to Kowalski's. And I met Kowalski and then my dad on the way home said, uh, Ty, I can't leave you in those kind of conditions and uh, in another country. Like, yeah. I, I, like if you want to do this, we gotta, we got to we gotta figure something else, son. So I, the internet was a brand new thing. Yeah. So I decided I looked uh, I looked for the the dungeon in uh, Alberta, right? Yep. The Hart Brothers. Yep. Go to the Hart Brothers. But then uh, on my way to going to Stampede that way, I saw that there was even better. It was Midpoint. So Ontario had the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling, on, or run by the oldest Hart, which is Smith Hart. Yep. And so I went there because they had a place for me for me to stay like they had actual lodging at the place wow and so i just trained and lived there and that's what i did that's all i did who who trained you uh i like i give a lot of credit to a lot of different people yeah, there's a yeah. guy up here that he, he makes wrestling boots right now uh his name's ron davies rd boots rd ron davies is an old jobber guy from back in maple leaf wrestling days and he gave me my He's the guy that kind of broke my, uh, like, got my teeth, yeah. you know. Let you through the on, door. Cut my teeth on him. Yeah, yeah. He learned, like, that's where I learned technical wrestling. And he's, like, he was great. And he's 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 quiet and mean, a little bit mean and rigid and weird. <laughs> and I just loved him. And oh. then from there it was uh, Joe Legend, Just Joe from WWE back in the day. Yeah. And uh, Scott Moore, and then eventually got groomed up after having a long feud with Terry Taylor. Oh. And those guys I give credit to, the most credit to in my career for my learnings. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, from all the way up to the Red Rooster and Scott Moore. That's great. But it's interesting that your dad, like you said, your dad could, had no, couldn't care less about wrestling. And he took you on that yeah. trip, and it's almost like man did he pick the perfect spots to take you it's it's like he knew or he researched it was it was those were perfect spots and he was it sound to me unbelievable correct me if i'm wrong to me even though he didn't care for it he at least was behind you 110 percent that's one thing I always say. Like that's why I say he's the greatest human being that ever lived. Yeah. Because uh, my dad hated pro. Re- I always tell people this too when people ask me. It's like, my dad hated pro wrestling, but my dad loved me more. Yeah. So he just, if yeah. I wasn't, if I was going to be bullheaded about it, and if I wasn't going to do anything else, he was going to make sure that I did it and that I did it right. So yeah, that dad was awesome. He's a good man. That's that's great, and uh, I believe you're. That's I mean that's great to hear. A day before Father's Day, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so much yeah. love to your dad, man. Hats off to him. Um, your debut, I think, if my research is correct, was 1997. Uh, you might, I can't remember 1997, yep. so I don't know if you can. But what was, what was, what is that feeling like? What was that experience like? Not, oh man, it was a small little. It's like any other independent. I'm at um, at a high school. High school in the middle of nowhere, Ontario. Uh, it's a little place called Aurelia. The biggest thing there is they have a little casino, um, and they, that was it. I just uh, and in front of maybe a hundred people, and it was the start of a tour. And it was me and my uh, my roommate at the school. Yeah. His name was Campbell Thompson. He was a uh, the Dingo, 
he's known by he's uh like an australian kid that came over to canada to train and now he lives in japan just the greatest dude ever and we just feuded with that was it we just they put us against each other night in night out kind of deal for a little bit and then we had to tag together and get beat up a lot by vet guys but yeah that was our that was my first it was it was against him is and it was so bad i yeah. wish i had it on tape <laughs> that's why I, I would show people yeah i'm not a natural that's that's a, <laughs> it's one of i'm sure you get that question a lot and i'm sure a lot of people that i talk to get it but it's it's just fun to hear everyone's response it's pretty much the same it was terrible I don't ever want to see it, but you were, you were interesting. You just said, I wish I had yeah. it on tape so I could teach others. Like, look, I wasn't a natural. I would, I learned yeah. this. Like I did, it didn't come perfect to me, you know? Yeah. So that was a, that was a great response. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, you know, you make it in, you're in the WWE, a uh, bunch of different times. Uh, you know, trusty Wikipedia told me from Oh two to 05 and then Oh seven and 14. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about you. A viewer, a fan, a close friend of the show named Vanessa. Uh, she's from Canada as well. She said, I got to have you on. You're a great person. You've wrestled 20, 20, wrestled 20 plus years. Uh, we're going to get to your other stuff, your wrestling school. So I start researching you. I'm like, oh, I'll do it. I trust Vanessa. Uh, you were in the Cruiserweight Classic, I found out, which was, yep. I had no idea. So I had to go back, watch it. And, and yeah, you were there. So then I started doing some more stuff and I, I stumbled upon a, uh, I think it was an interview with uh, Colt Cabana. You were talking about the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, that the WWE w- wouldn't allow you to do certain moves or something? Is, is Do I have that wrong? Oh, uh, no, I, no, that's, uh, well, it's, it's. Like, I defended the point, and then Colt kind of called me on and said, you were dumb, you're stupid for, like, saying it. Because I got a, whatever the Uproxx uh, oh, yeah, station yeah, yeah. was. Yeah, they took they took my quotes, and they misrepresented what I said. So it made it sound super bad. Yeah. Like, I was, I felt bad, about, or I was, like, bitter about it. But I wasn't. All I was trying to do was educate people that, Maybe in the first round we don't do everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know what don't I mean? show your so, don't show your cards. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, right. Because I I knew that I had done enough uh, and I I did enough and my stuff was solid enough that they asked me to come back yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um. So it was just it would be overkill. And even looking back on it, it was overkill for uh, I do um, a stalling uh, a stalling uh, suplex off the second rope yep. so i'll be on the second rope and i'll pick a guy up and hold him there forever and then fall and ring in like a superplex right yeah superplex spot but um they said ah maybe you know and, and it wasn't even like it was a hard no it was like can you know can you figure out something else you know what i mean yep. a little something else out and it was just agents it's just what agents do they tell you to, they try to make your match as good as possible yep. and like it was unnecessary to have it so that's all it was, because, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It was me and me and Zach are, like, chain wrestling guys. Yep. He's a super, super wrestling guy. I'm, like, all about fundamentals and grappling itself. So they kind of wanted us to stay within that realm. And that, so yeah. that's it. That was yeah. it. Like, And then, of course, it, I get blown out of proportion. Like, I was like, well, let me do my stuff. Yeah. How am I supposed to get over? Don't let me do my stuff. But it wasn't <laughs> like that at all. That's yeah, that's. How you're saying it is how I, because, okay, so I, I hear the thing on Colts, and I'm like, wait a minute, everything I've been reading about Tyson, that doesn't sound like his language, so I go back and find the Uproxx thing, and I read it, and, and, and learn about that, and then I go back to the Colt interview, and I'm like, it's just taken out of out of context, and it makes, yeah. and what you just said to me makes sense. Because it didn't fit with the character that not the character the person that you come off as when I was uh, researching you. So I just wanted to yeah clarify that. No, it was yeah, man. It was it was uh, it was really really silly. And uh, thanks, up rocks, you jerk. <laughs> like I never got so many guys from WWE messaging me like Tyson, what what are you doing? What are you saying? But already my 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 tenure with them was basically over because I got, I got yeah. caught like they're caught at the border. Uh, I got detained at the border and flagged and turned around. So I couldn't do it anymore. Anyways. 
Yeah, I, I so read that, that as well. Hold on one second. Night, honey. <laughs> That's my three-year-old saying good night. Oh, all right. Good night. <laughs> um, so flagged and detained at the border. So you 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 can't cross the border to wrestle. What's that? I don't, that's confusing. No, to me. no, I can I can I wasn't. Yeah, no, I was. I'm not banned. I was flagged for a year, which meant they were watching my every move if I crossed the border. And that's uh, a and U.S. thing, right? Cross. That's on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Canadian a Canadian U.S. thing. I went to because uh, I did the first first taping. Did really well with Zach. They really, really enjoyed my stuff. The only two people they pulled aside and said, "Hey, just awesome," was me and uh, Jack Gallagher. They yeah. uh, like I watched him uh, Triple H shake everybody's hands, and he actually pulled me and I because I watch, I watch yep. and study people. Is me and Gallagher, and he pulled us aside and said, "Hey, man, that was like your stuff was like really good, and we're like that was very impressive." So I knew I was coming back, and I, like my because I'm a Canadian kid, I just left my cell phone off until I got home. And when I got home and turned it back on and got Wi-Fi, uh, right away there was a message saying, uh, Ty, you need to call the office because we, we want you back for the next set of tapings. Right. So I was supposed to go back down for the next set of tapings. Unfortunately, um, that never happened because I got detained at the airport because I had grown in popularity and uh, I didn't have the right paperwork. There wasn't any paperwork given. We were just meant to cross yeah. and take our chances. Anyways, I crossed, and I, I, I didn't get a chance to get to do it. Oh. I was supposed to work with Kenta. I was supposed to work with him at NXT, and they wanted a strong-style match. And then I was supposed to do coaching all week, and then I was supposed to do my Cruiserweight Classic thing. So it was great. It was going to be a great week, very busy week, but uh, it all got shut down by one lady saying no thanks oh, you stay home god we had um, we had uh tyler turva another canadian wrestler uh we had him on thursday and he explained yep. to me because i don't have any clue about this that independent wrestlers can't get a work visa to go to the states and try to get themselves booked they need i, I forgot how he phrased right. it they need like a, a company to sponsor them and then they can come in, and I was like, "Man, I had no clue that stuff." And that's all on US. Exactly. Yeah. See, and then Aterva is not uh, like because like he doesn't know as much as I do. Yeah, yeah. The amount of history, the studying I had to do. Yeah. So it's not even that. Like it's not even a sponsorship. You have to, as a company, if you're going to get a person a visa, say like a P1 visa. Yeah. I know this is going to be boring. That's right. But like a P1 visa to get the first one. Uh, nowadays, you have to have all your um, events and all the plan uh, visits that you're going to make. They need to know that for a year in advance Wow! so that they can just put them all in the system. So it is incredibly hard to get – because I had a P1 visa when I worked for uh, TNA, yeah. and I was under a contract for two years. But then uh, rules changed, and so I couldn't, I couldn't cross – I couldn't cross even if um, – like if, if impact say say a company like impact it's a small small yep. company wanted to use me they don't know what they're doing uh in 12 months they yep. have no idea what their schedule or where they're going to be what the venue is going to be so they couldn't even get me a, a a visa right now so it's just it's a lot it's a, it's yeah. a pain in the butt is what it is. yeah it sounds like it wow it's a whole nother aspect of wrestling i never even considered ever. yeah it's insane yeah you yep. um, I let's. I want to go to to kind of what you're doing now. Um, you you talked about it coaching. Uh, you have your own wrestling school, and uh, I have. A, I think I have the link for it. I want to get it right. Uh, is it is it Duke's Factory? Yeah, Tw- that's me. Twitter.com Duke's Factory. Uh, why don't you uh, inform the people in the Twitch chat that might be live here now, or anyone else on YouTube as we push it out? Uh, exactly uh, everything that goes into your wrestling school. Uh, see, I'm an old school guy, yeah. so I, I I tend to follow the old school ways. Uh, I'm not a guy that believes in abuse because I was abused where I went. I don't believe in any of that stuff, but I do believe that hard work pays off. So I teach them everything. I teach um, from social media stuff, which I hate, yeah. but I have to teach it now uh, to be respectful on here because uh, of this uprocks thing, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I teach all the chain wrestling, all all bumps, all all kinds of stuff. Like everything you have that takes uh, you to become a professional wrestler, I do it um, uh, from promos and stuff like that. It's a year course. I make sure that it's a year because I don't feel as though. And you know, people can disagree with me all they want. If I'd rather have a year course under my belt than six months or three months. I'd rather have the full year where you're training all the time and make sure that you have it down. Because I don't want people out there that just don't know how to do a tackle or a drop down. I want them to know what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I condition people for a full year. Uh, everybody comes in. I, if they're out of shape, they get in shape. That's the way it is. You just do a ton of push-ups and squats and stuff like you would back in the day. And I just uh, I teach them uh, the old school way. So it's very much... Uh, slow down, grab held, you know, that kind of stuff, aggressive, all the stuff that I love about wrestling back in the 80s and stuff like that is what I teach. Yeah. Um, we, I was just talking recently. I don't know. Might have been on here. Might have been with my brother. Uh, the art of selling is – the art of selling is actually a lost art these days. And Gone. You don't, you don't see it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a wrestler. I've never been in the ring. I've never trained. I don't know anything about it. But, but I'm a fan, and I've watched enough of it. So I, I feel confident enough to say the art of selling is gone and everybody's just boom, 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 boom. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like, like you run a school, you do a lot of coaching, a lot of training. Uh, what's one thing the new wrestlers of today could do more of that they don't? Is it, is it selling? Is it something else I'm missing? Yeah, there's, uh, the list is so long. <laughs> we could be here for yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, here, here's, I'll give you a few things. So if anybody's listening and yeah. you're in the professional wrestling game, um, I will give you my list. You can take it if you want. You can leave it behind if you're, like, getting successful. But unfortunately, we are we are killing our business slowly. <laughs> These kids are killing our business because the old dinosaurs are gone and the social media thing has yeah. bullied the old generation out. And we used to bully out people that shouldn't have been here in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I survived. I'm only 5'8". Yep. I started death at wrestling school. I went down from 185-pound thick farm kid to 140 pounds starving to death, but I still made it. You know what I mean? I'm not – and you don't hear me complain about it. Those scars I hold dearly to me because that's what made me, and that's what built my character. And so, like, with wrestling nowadays, the old guys are all gone because they don't even give a shit about it now. Yeah. But, like, nobody sells. No. There's no selling. There's nobody. Nobody's really aggressive. There's nothing like I, everybody just it looks it looks phony. It looks very cartoony. Uh, nobody like one of the things I cannot stand is when they throw a guy off the ropes. See, the people jog into the wrestle into, into the ropes. And yeah. like my time, like you explode into the ropes like someone legitimately threw you into them. You yeah. take that no facials anymore. Um, no, like I said, like nobody sells accordingly. No one's aggressive. Another one is nobody pins like they mean it. Nobody ever nope. grabs, uh, uh, like when you're pinning, that's the whole premise of what we do. You're is there one, to win, two, three. right? One, two, three, that's it. And so if you don't believe it and your pin doesn't look like it, it's anything that anybody else can believe, nobody's going to believe what you're doing is an art. Yeah. And that like the amount of false finishes, can we just... <laughs> Can we just have a wrestling match that ends with one kick and then that guy's out? Like, yeah. he's knocked out and, like, hit, like, as any other place in, in the whole entire world, MMA, wherever, yep. uh, you get one head kick, you're done. So there's a lot there's a lot to it that is, is gone, and I find that wrestling now is very much homogenized. I can mm-hmm. call it homogenized wrestling. Everything's very white milk. Everything looks the same. Everybody works the same, feeds the same, yeah. and does all the same moves. It's like there is no, uh, there's a stifled kind of creativity. And the only thing that is creative is a lot of people. And not, don't get me wrong, like I'm not centering anybody out. But yeah. like if these characters, when they come up with these silly characters and wear these silly costumes and that's their creative side, their creative side should first be into their promos and uh, passion and drive and intensity and all, and it should carry over into the ring and it's all gone. See, I could talk for hours about it. We, I really, because we, I mean, right. we haven't even talked about how the finisher is gone these days. Gone, uh, gone. Everybody does a DDT. And I remember when mm-hmm. I was a kid and, and you're probably the same way, 
Jake the Snake hit you with a DDT, you're done. Done. You ain't getting done. Uh, done. I listen to Busted Open Radio on Sirius Satellite a lot. And uh, Bubba, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, he was in him and Dave LaGreca, they were talking about uh, believability and the believability in some of the matches today is just not Zero. there. It's just not Zero. there. Zero. And then they went no. into the selling and all that. And um, I mean, you, you got your, you, your select few that can sell, can tell a story. But when you dig down deep, it's like Dustin Rhodes is selling for you. Now, come on. Dustin Rhodes has been around. For a long time, and they need—I don't know—it's just, yeah. But like you said, yeah, you. social media. You know, um, I think I think Bully Ray put it best that I could relate with when people finish their match and they went through the curtain. Now, this is something you can relate to. I can't. When they come through the curtain, instead of looking for someone to maybe give them constructive criticism or ask a question about their match, instead of going to that person, they go to their phone to see what Twitter has said about yeah. whatever they did. Yeah. And that's just... Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that's it's just so tough bad. to hear. It's just tough Yeah, to hear. it is. And then, you know, what? The, another thing that I absolutely can't stand is... Uh, and it's no... It's no... It's not on them. It's not their fault. They just... Everybody's there for a good time and want to be a part of the show. But, like, everybody that does the chants, all these wrestlers oh, yeah. now want to hear these, yeah. this is awesome or fight forever yeah, chants. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear any of that stuff. I just want you to be quiet and either cheer or boo and i want you to be uh in the match i don't want you to try to be a part of the match i want you to be a part of it in the way that you should be given the atmosphere and stuff like that um that's missing and then this whole match of the night match of the year like what can we not work as a team and be show show of the week or like this show was the best top to bottom like we not have uh, like everybody kind of work together instead of always uh, just working against each other and trying to get over more than the next guy. And that's basically what's, what's wrong now is I spent my whole career trying to put people over, making everybody look good yeah. make, cause I love professional wrestling. I love this business. So I put this business over before I put myself over and maybe that's um, maybe that's my cross to bear. Maybe that's why I'm not, uh, on a higher plane, I guess, than a lot of these guys. But I, like, I can still go. I can go better than all those guys. <laughs> but it's just, it is. I just, I will just, uh, I will call it a day. And a lot of stuff. I don't do a lot of false finishes. I don't do any of that stuff. I tell stories, and I'm, I'm athletic. I keep it busy, but I'm not going to do all that nonsense that everybody else is doing. Yes. No way. Yeah, stories. We don't get. We don't get those. None stories anymore like drawn out slow burn stuff none and a lot of that has to do with the amount of at least i feel with the amount of literally wrestling week there is on weekly like the wwe for example three hours of raw two of smackdown and then two of that's seven hours of wrestling a night you just don't get them that much anymore i mean that there's that there's that's very much a very much a we're oversaturated with wrestling another thing is nobody has to everybody's guaranteed yeah, yeah. so everybody's on a contract yeah. and everybody on the independence is making what they're making it isn't done on the house it isn't done on the draw anymore yeah I like i remember being in the 90s and we still worked a little bit on the draw like when i worked with wwa and what was it e yeah it was e right at the end where i was like i almost made wwf but it was WWE, and they were still working on the house, the numbers of the house uh, for some of the pays. And my pay did my pay did go up. Like I got paid my trans in full, my my hotels, everything. As a kid, just in, as an enhancement. When I first started, I made the most money with WWE uh, in 2002 and 2003, and then it started to slowly drop in 2004 because they had to because yeah. business was no longer what it was. No. Nope. And uh, guarantees uh, with these contracts came into play and nobody worked off the house anymore. So who needs to draw money anymore? Who needs to work and have that slow burn when the, you don't need a slow burn anymore where you don't have to draw a house because you're just making the same amount of money regardless. So that kind of passion and that kind of work ethic is gone. Yeah. It's like a That's baseball. Thing. That's another part. It's like a baseball. baseball. Yeah. Very much so. 
Yeah. yeah and they're exactly. for, when they get signed, when they get a new contract, they're going to have a, on the last year of their contract, the best you'll ever see them. The first year of that new contract, pff, I ain't awful. picking them if you're baseball. Like, do not even try. <laughs> yeah, right. It's crazy. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, you mentioned something earlier. Chris Benoit, one of your favorite wrestlers growing up. Most interesting thing that I found about you that I didn't even know is you you played Chris Benoit in the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Uh, yep. So how does how does that even come about? How does that go down? The directors, uh, Jason, I forget his last, Jason and, and Evan, uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, those dudes are, listen, those dudes are the best dudes yeah. ever. I love those guys. Uh, and uh, Jason's an East Coast kid in Canada yep. who's a, a brilliant director, just a brilliant human being. And Evan is just this, like, just smart, smart producer guy that just knows and has a real passion for pro wrestling. And the two, or the two of them uh, just came up with the greatest idea ever with this Dark Side of the yeah, Ring. And so Evan went to all these shows in Toronto, and he found me at a Superkick show. It's called Superkick. It's like a bar show. It's just yeah. all crazy high spots and stuff. But I stood out because I'm an old school guy. Yeah. And he got me. I was in the pilot episode. So their very first ever project, their very first episode, I'm in it. The Bruiser Brody one. I'm uh, Dutch Mantel. Oh, so, you are. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, oh. I'm Dutch, and I loved it. I, I teased Dutch. I messaged him one time, like, hey, man, I've never seen you look so good in all your life. <laughs> 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 so then uh, uh, it went from the pilot, and then I didn't hear back for a while, and then I heard they got season two, so I messaged them, and I just said, congratulations. Yeah. This is awesome. And then it was maybe a month or two later, they're like, Ty, we really, we know this is your part. If you would take it, we'd be super, super happy if you would take part. So they asked me to be Benoit. They thought because my mannerisms and my work, my work style and yeah. kind of my, my physique and yeah, stuff is build. the same yeah. as Benoit. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of worked out. Wow. What was yeah, that man. like? Were you out really? of the moon? I mean, you, you, yeah. you was one of your, I, I mean, that's, that's big stuff. It's huge. It's huge. And it's such a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good story to tell, but it's a tragic it story. Is. And it it's is. It's an yeah. awful story. Yeah. And they, but they, 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 those dudes are so smart and I trusted them wholeheartedly. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I got there and every time before a scene or whatever, they'd always show me the, uh, the interview segment and how I was supposed to act and stuff like that. And they would give me a the background and then they would actually explain you really don't know when you're there because it's all smoke and mirrors there, right? Yeah. So they showed me how how they were going to put it all together, and it turned out to be, like, such a great thing. And, like, uh, are you comfortable with this? Like, with the the hanging scene and stuff yeah. like that. They uh, they always checked on me. They always checked <clears throat> on me, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm fine. It's just, it's work, you know? Yeah. But it, they're really professional dudes, and they really did have a like for such a tragic uh ending yeah. they really flipped it and made a really nice story at the end it's great well it, it, it was a story that had had to be told agreed, agreed. i, I yes. agree and it, it's extremely tragic it, it, it yep. extremely but I, I feel it had to be told i feel uh the the people that got to speak on that episode um it, it was I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but if it was me, if I was in their shoes, I, I would find it, you know, somewhat cathartic, somewhat, it had to be told, I basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it's therapeutic. It is yeah, definitely yeah. a therapy session and it, yeah. it turned into one for them. Right. Yeah. Especially with Sandra and David at the end of it, yeah. actually getting to see each other after all those years. Uh, it was kind of a tearjerker because yeah. that's, yeah, that's quite an event. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. It was, uh, like it's. Negatives, you should have to find the positives in any kind of negative situation. If that's the only positive we take out, at least it's a good one, you know? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go back and watch you as Dutch. Because I remember yeah. him, he's sitting there in the locker room. Uh, it, it's good. It's a good moment. I'll go back and watch that. No one yeah, it's you. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah um, that's me. All right. Let's, uh, let me see. Where do I want to go from here? Okay. So we're, we're nearing the end of the show. It's something I, I like to do. I don't like to ever keep anyone close to an hour. I like to make it short and sweet and try to make it conversational as much as possible. Um, a couple things I do want to ask. One, oh, here's a note I had that I didn't ask. I think I came across it in the Colt Cabana 
spot. Uh, is there something? Did you did you have? Uh, do you suffer with OCD? A little bit, not like not like to the point where I'm controlled by it. Yeah, but I am uh, very much. Uh, I got a like a thing with being tidy and clean and everything in yeah. its place. Like everything has to yeah. be exactly in its place. Or I I can't I can go away from it. It's not to the point where it's debilitating. You yeah. hear about poor people out there so so worked over. Yeah. Like it's so sad. But no, me and Rhino. It's a me and Rhino. That's thing. what it was. We're like super. Me, we're super super clean human beings, and Rhino has made it a a point and made it very much a point that when we were on the road together for a long time, uh, when he was done his WWE run, we we traveled a lot together. And Rhino and me, he'd always have to bunk up with me. He's like, hey, if we're on tour and they're only, we're sharing a room, it's you and me, buddy. It's you and me. I'm like, all right, but just Let's make sure it. you make that bet. Yeah. Slop. That's... And then we just message each other. Yeah. <laughs> we message each other all the time because uh, we were in Pennsylvania one time and uh, Rhino left the room. He's like, all right, I'm going to go get in the car. I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. And I friggin' ripped his sheets apart and I took a picture of it and then I went to the car I'm like look at you you freaking slob you're filthy <laughs> it oh, drove him nuts that's because he's very much the same way yeah yeah he's the same way I would find that I'd, yeah, I would I, I have that same small not not debilitating OCD I do have some certain nope. quirks and stuff so I found that aspect interesting and, and uh Bunking, you know, uh, traveling with with Rhino could probably. I mean, that's a Netflix show waiting to happen, dude. Uh, yeah. I, like the most fun a person can have is to travel with Rhino and just all because Rhino has quirks. Yeah, he's a, like he's a like a beast, a beast of a human being. But uh, Rhino has his quirks, and one of those things is cleanliness. Mm-hmm. He is such a clean freak; it is insane. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, dream something I I've been asking some people recently. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in a scenario here. It's gonna be a, a dream match, a triple threat yourself, Tyson Dukes. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to pick a wrestler from the past, so maybe one you idolized growing up mm-hmm. or in the past. I don't care. And then uh, maybe somebody from today, from maybe today's product. Who do we got? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, from the past, I'm gonna like he's not dead. He's uh, he's retired though. I I would pick uh, Kawada. Oh, I've been on a dude. I've been on a Kawada kick lately. <laughs> like the likes you have never seen is is so insane. And it's always gonna hover around that uh, Ricky Steamboat or Macho Man or Kawada. But today I'm gonna pick Kawada because I'm feeling I feel good today. So I, I I'll eat a couple of those kicks. <laughs> and from now this is a real toss-up because yeah. i've worked i've worked with him before so I'm, I, i'll just throw his name out there but i'm not going to pick him as like jay lethal oh i love jay i yeah. just i worked him in a triple threat in montreal uh before all this nonsense of yeah. covid and stuff and it like just a blast he's such a such a professional i've heard um, really good but, things about oh him. brother you like there's nobody on this earth that's that's next level is like Jay Lethal's next level. But the other guy would have to be uh Rush or Roosh. Oh yeah. Uh yep. I'm on, been on a real I've been on a real Roosh kick lately. Uh I love his style, love that he's different than anybody else. He is. I like that is. he just beats I like I like wrestling to be rough and tumbled. You know what I mean? I love yeah. the fact that like I want people to look back and like, God damn, that's a like a real fight. That's a real sport. I don't. I don't like the stuff that looks uh, hokey and silly. I like the stuff that looks legit. And those guys didn't. They don't do crazy uh, spots. They don't. Do, they're just mean sons of guns just coming at you. And that's kind of kind of what I want out of wrestling, right? So I'm, I'll pick those two. Nice. I'm awesome. sure I'll be sore. Like it's a terrible <laughs> pick because yeah. I want to get beat up. But God. But you'll sell. You'll sell. You'll sell it for sure. Um. And oh so, man, I'll sell. I'll sell all day long. Damn. Yeah. Right. Um. Now, before I give you the mic at the end of the show, which is I do for everybody, I I can't believe I I skimmed over this without asking this. Your your son is is coming up in the business, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He uh, is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so how how's that? Like, what's that like having having a son coming up in the business, and and how does that 
work out. Um, smart, like yeah. uh, I'll tell you right now, yeah. smartest kid in the business. Yeah, smartest. Yeah, yeah. Like if if you if this is all if your dad is uh, let's say your dad's a bus driver yep. and you go to work with him and stuff like that, there's nobody on this earth. Uh, that knows more about bus driving than you do because you've just hung out with your dad and that's just power for the course. Oh, dad drives bus. My son, my 17-year-old, has grown up his whole entire life going to shows. He knows everybody. He's met everybody. He's had pictures with every, like, legends. Yeah. Everybody that's big in NXT right now, he used to know them and used to get pictures with them. They all know who he is. That's great. Uh, and so, like, he grew up in pro wrestling he is more experienced really than i am because he spent his whole life in this really and so i got i had 18 years where i didn't do nothing he <laughs> spent his whole year his whole life in it and he loves it he loves it he's and he's good he, yeah and like i don't say that because i'm biased because yeah. i'm his old man but the boys he's very good and he just shows that like He's mature beyond his years, and he has a like he's got a wonderful career ahead of him. He hates social media; he'll never be on it, That's and good. he'll just <laughs> he'll just work. He's old school. He he won't bump for everybody. He's he's a big old boy. He's like six two. Oh, he's, boy. Uh, like hovering around that two sixty. Yeah, he's a, he's just a he's just the best. He's a, and I, he's going to be. Uh, the more he finds himself and he finds his confidence and stuff like that, he's going to be a He's going to be a real wrecking ball, and there's going to be nobody that's going to stop him. He's, and I, uh, I can't wait to see how his career plans out as mine winds down and his takes off. I, like it's, it's, it's a nice, it's uh, poetic, and I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. I like to see that it's uh, even at the end of my days that this stuff that uh, like he will carry it on. And I didn't really, I didn't force it on him. I didn't. He's just loved it. He's that's just been nice. two years old and playing with figures. He yeah. just loves it. Yeah. So. I got no, I got it. three uh, three daughters of my own, not that old. Eleven, seven, and three. And the eleven and seven year old, they watch it all the time. I don't force them. They play with my LJNs down here, uh, and you know they're still young. But as we'll see how things go out, you know they're athletic. They play sports. They do gymnastics, softball, all that fun stuff. So I definitely uh, can can relate and uh, have that you know soft spot, that great uh, feeling inside. When I hear when I heard those words you said about your son, it was great. Yeah. Um. Awesome. All right, Mr. Dukes. It is it is that time is the end of the show. Something I like to do at the end of the show is I give like uh, the virtual mic to yourself. You have it now. You can put over whatever you want, bury whatever you want. Let us know where to find you. What's going on? Whatever you want. The floor is yours, and I will not interrupt. Oh man, that's uh, quite an honor. That's uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on the show. I just. It was a pleasure to talk with you for a little bit. Um, if you're looking for me online, it's Tyson Dukes. That is D-U-X. It's not D-U-K-E-S. D-U-X. Uh, I know it's weird spelling, but I'm a Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. And oh, blood sport. We didn't up. even talk about yeah. yeah. Well, buddy, it's just it's just what it is. It I'm is. a huge blood sport fan. It is. I wore a, Hey man, two VHS tapes of it. I had two VHS tapes growing up as a kid, and I I wore them both out. I love that movie that much. It is it is a great um, movie. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. But that's it. That's it. My name's uh, like Tyson Dukes. You'll find me on any social media uh, thing, and everything is linked together. So I have yep. a clothing line that's an athletic clothing line online uh, that's called Hammerlock Wrestling, Hammerlock Apparel. I, I, it's on Facebook. It has a website. It's all linked to Tyson Dukes. You can find my school through there. I got just anything that I have is tied to professional wrestling, and it's all tied to my name to keep it as easy as possible. And that's it, man. I just uh, anybody out there, just stay safe out there and don't don't do anything stupid. Just <laughs> you know what I mean. Learn from the old guys. There you go. They're not. No one's here. No one in this business uh, from my generation back is telling you not to do something because we don't want it want you to do it or we don't want you to feel as though that you're um uh we're jealous of it or whatever we just want you guys to have a long safe and very 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 long and sporting career so that's that's basically it man that's that's me that's it awesome thank you very much mr dukes it was a pleasure it was an honor to talk to you 
I had a lot of fun. Um, so we'll see you around. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Hey, same to you. Take care. Now. All right. Have a great night. All right. Take care. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Although I interrupted him. <laughs> I gave him the mic and I interrupted him because he said, he said, uh, blood sport. He said, John Claude Van Damme. And I remembered, I wanted to talk to him about blood sport and I forgot. Anyways, I had a great time, man. Shout out to Vanessa in Ontario. Thank you very much for suggesting Tyson Dukes. It was a phenomenal interview. I enjoyed it a lot. There's two great Canadian interviews back to back, man. Man, I thought we were New Jersey bound only, but we hit two Canadians back to back with Tyler Turva and Tyson Dukes, man. Great. Great job out of him. Uh, this guy's called the Standing Streamer. <laughs> Wrestling with regret, and you're watching putting you over.